It's where it's all-encompassing and he realizes, okay, I can be respectful of women. I can honor women. I can be attuned to them and I can be emotionally sensitive, but I'm also going to get what's mine. Welcome to another episode of Dear Men. I'm really, really excited about this one. This is something I've been wanting to talk to um, talk to someone about for a while because there are a couple of things that I talk about and that I think future guests are going to talk about, and I just want them to be clear so that we're all kind of on the same page when we talk about these things. So today I am joined by my very good friend and love and relationship mentor for women, Violet Lang. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yes. And um, today we're going to be talking about polarity and what it means to be in your masculine or to be in your feminine. Um, All of us have both masculine and feminine elements And the way that we show up in relationship, whether in our masculine or feminine, impacts the other person as well as ourselves. So we're going to be just defining some terms and talking about what that looks like and ultimately how we can all use polarity to have hotter sex and more connected relationships. So I'm pretty excited and I'm really curious as to what you guys think about this episode. So please uh, pay attention and if you have any questions let me know because I think there's going to be some things that we're all going to want to follow up on. Okay. So, um, so Violet, um, can you just tell us like a little bit about what you do and how it relates to the topic we're going to be talking about? So I work with women who are successful and single and looking for love so that they can have and keep healthy relationships. And I especially love working with women who are survivors of trauma. And I especially love creating conscious partnership. Mm. And by trauma, you mean something like sexual abuse or rape trauma? Yes. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. And um, you, so the first thing we're going to talk about, and the first thing I want to ask you about is just what is polarity? What does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. So polarity just means opposites. And you can find polarity throughout nature. You can find polarity, obviously, on the positive and negative charge of a battery, black and white, yin and yang. It's primarily used when it comes to even in the Tantra tradition of like light and dark, masculine, feminine. But primarily as it comes to relationships and sexuality, it's about difference. It's about cultivating difference. And a lot of times in relationship, especially in the beginning, we're like looking for similarities. We're looking for comfort. We're looking for ways that we're similar and aligned. But understanding polarity is super important because it can help you not only in dating, but also in relationships so that you feel more alive, more passion, more connected to yourself, and also more opportunity to get to know your partner. Mm. And when we're talking about polarity in the context of this conversation, we're mostly going to be talking about masculine on one side and feminine on the other side. Can you just kind of define for us what does it mean for a person of either gender to be in her masculine or to be in her feminine or for a man to be in his masculine or feminine? Yeah, and there's so many definitions of masculine feminine. So this is just my take on it from the work that I've done with hundreds of women and then obviously from my own experiences as well. When a woman is deeply in her feminine, there's a state of flow and ease and surrender and pleasure and really being in the five senses. So really being immersed in the physical world. Mm -hmm. And you can think about that as like picking berries, like, oh, this berry and that berry Mm -hmm. and this berry. And like, you're just kind of flowing from experience to experience and experience without necessarily a lot of direction and without even a lot of consciousness. Like, oh, what time of day is it? Is it dark outside? Like, is there a bear coming? You're just, you're totally <laughs> immersed in the moment and, and in the pure moment. Mm. Um, there can be a misconception that feminine means like soft and relaxed or, or that it's this more submissive thing, but actually being feisty and being on the prowl and being uh, in a place of like deep desire and anger and heat and passion can also be very feminine. So the feminine is really anything that changes, anything that moves, and anything primarily that's in the physical realm with the five senses. Mm. So of course, men are in their 
their feminine oftentimes, and women can be in their masculine as well. And so I'll just talk about what it's like when a man is in his feminine and then go back to what it's like when a woman is in her masculine and, and, um, and vice versa. So that's when a woman is in her feminine, like she feels at ease in her body. She's connected to her body. She's fully in the moment and she's not necessarily giving a ton of thought to like outcomes or agenda or direction Mm. uh, or goals or any of those things. And when a man is in his feminine, it can show up as seemingly maybe a little more passive or a little more just enjoying the moment, less conscious, not necessarily conscious of his actions, not necessarily holding a lot of like big space or big presence, mm-hmm. um, really just going with of, the flow. It yeah, sounds like going with the flow, bumbling through life. I mean, I think of, you know, someone on a skateboard in Venice Beach, just like, mm-hmm. what's up, man? Just, you know, really like chill and yeah. and um, and hanging out. Now, when a woman is in her masculine, she can be goal-oriented, focused, uh, very conscious, very conscientious, very uh, respectful of of the other person and what's going on. She might not be expressing herself. She might be withholding Mm. um, in order to cater to the other person's needs. And then when a man is really in his masculine, he's goal-oriented, directed, strong presence, still very connected with his body, but looking kind of in the periphery, looking at the horizon, looking for dangers, assessing risk trying to figure out where to put his resources. There's all different sorts of ways that he's showing up in his masculine. So masculine and feminine principles, they show up in the sexes in a little bit different ways, but not like vastly different. It's just on the exterior, they can look different. You know, obviously we have different bodies Mm -hmm. and different voices and different ways of carrying it, but yeah. Okay, and can you talk a little bit about what happens when... um, a woman is in her feminine and a man is in his masculine. Like what is, what is the magic that happens when that happens? Yes. So when a woman is in her feminine, it can feel, uh, it can feel really nice to be with a man who's in his masculine because there's a strong attraction and a strong pull. So if you think about this in like Western movies, you know, there's a cowboy who's kind of silent and strong and always on his horse and superior in that way and always looking and scanning the horizon and wearing all black and and just coming in on his horse and and sweeping the damsel in distress off her feet. Mm -hmm. And that's a very old and antiquated example. But, you know, the woman is like, I don't know what's going to happen here, you know, and Mm -hmm. she doesn't have a lot of the direction or she's not making the decisions and she feels drawn to his strength. Similarly, that the man feels drawn to protect her and provide for her and take care of her. um, And she nurtures him and there's this beautiful dance that happens. So that's a kind of antiquated example, but something that we all know deeply from our culture. Mm -hmm. In general, though, when a woman is deeply in her feminine and a man is deeply in his masculine, there's just space. There's space to be different. And that's that space that creates a vacuum that creates connection. Whereas if you're already merged, if you're both in your masculine or if you're both in your feminine, there's not enough difference to create attraction. So Mm. the opposites attract and then they merge and then they separate and then they come back together. So it's this beautiful dance that is happening. But when a ma- when a man is in his masculine and a woman is in her feminine, that's where you feel that kind of like pull. Mm. And I know for like me, that's where I feel it more in like my lower body. It's not like, oh, that guy's really interesting what he's saying. There's there's some sort of like charge that's almost subconscious, that's unspeakable. Yeah. That's magnetizing you to that person because of the polarity. Um the, the sense of like a man of stature or a man of leadership or even with his shoulders pulled back and he's really tall, like that's, that's a gravitas that is really, really magnetic. Mm-hmm. So is it fair to say that polarity builds attraction? Yes, I would say that polarity is one of the foundations for, for attraction. Okay. And why would you say that this matters when it comes to dating and relationships? It matters for a few different reasons, one of which is that when there's too much similarity, we can get bored. We can get bored with our relationship. We can get bored with ourselves. There's no new energy coming into the relationship. So what I find is when there's not enough polarity, the relationship kind of implodes. It either turns into just friend zone Uh or it turns into like leading separate lives because, or sorry, leading the same life, like wearing the same clothes. We've all seen couples that have been together for a long time and they're mm-hmm. literally wearing the same clothes. <laughs> and they start to look like each okay. other and they talk like each other. And I mean, they might be having hot sex, but I would guess that they're probably not having hot sex. Right. Like, I would guess that they've they've found a deep companionship, but they may have sacrificed some things along the way. Okay, and is the opposite of polarity resonance? 
I would say the opposite of polarity for me is connection. So I would say chemistry and connection. And chemistry is what I think polarity creates or polarity is a part of. And connection is that, is that um, yeah, resonance or being on the same page or um, sharing similar values. Or a lot of teachers will say, you know, attachment style. Like you're at, when you're attaching, attaching is the op- is Attaching can happen through polarity, but attaching is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. So both connection and polarity are needed in a relationship to have hot sex and good connection. Is that right? That's what I would say, but I think each person is a little bit different. So there may be people who they don't want to have any emotional connection. It detracts from their ability to totally lose themselves in a sexual relationship. But if there's no emotional connection, how long will that relationship last? Will it be able to meet their deeper Mm -hmm. needs? You know, I'm not sure. But if you want deep connection and passion, then yes, you need both healthy attachment and healthy polarity. Okay. And just to throw this in the mix, a lot of what we're talking about here is based on the research of David Data, D-E-I-D-A, David Data. I'm going to drop it in the show notes, but a lot of the work around masculinity and femininity as we're describing them and as we're discussing polarity comes from his work. The the sort of most famous book that he's known for for men is called Way of the Superior Man. And I'll also drop that in the show notes, but I just want to kind of put that in here, that a lot of this work is based on his research and writing and all of the rest of it. And I just want to say that there might be a future episode on attachment, but there's a lot of research and, and studies and experts on attachment as well, such as Robert Masters and then Stan Tatkin. So some of the things I'm saying about attachment on an ancillary basis in this podcast are from those things. And also my husband, Jason Ling, who studies with Robert Masters and knows a lot about the attachment behind all of this. I'll drop that stuff in the show notes as well. So I want to just um, get another definition in here while we're on this subject. <clears throat> One of the things that David Data talks about is the stages of masculine and feminine, at first, second, and third stage. And so I'm wondering if you can just take us through what those mean. Yeah, absolutely. I will do my best. I mean, this is like 13 or 14 or some 18 books that he's written and decades and decades of work. But from my experience and my perspective, at least where I'm at right now in this stage, is that the first stage is really that more primal stage that hasn't been fully developed. So first stage from the feminine perspective could be seen as the submissive housewife or you know, the pole dancer. I'm using archetypes here, so archetypes aren't really fair, but they'll paint a picture for you. Um, A woman who just uses her sexual charms in order to get what she wants, or a man who just uses brute force in order to get what he wants. There's a lot of, there's a lot of chemistry there, and there's a lot of, um, I I like um, icons or or, um, archetypes that you see that. What are some of the male ones? You mentioned housewife and Oh, yes. So some of the male ones would be like cowboy, construction worker, um, fireman, um, yeah, some of the more like traditionally traditional, masculine yes. and feminine roles yes. that we've or seen warrior. in our culture. Okay. Exactly. Warrior is another one. Um, so that's the, the first stage masculine and the first stage feminine. And there's not bad. It's not necessarily bad. It's just that it doesn't have a lot of consciousness, which means that it has more shadow. So the first stage masculine shadow is abuse or, you know, psychopathy or totally using your power for inappropriate uses. There's just not a lot of consciousness combined with it. And then the shadow of the first stage feminine is like utter emotionality and chaos and cattiness and gossip and, you know, all of those things that can be wrapped up in some of the darker sides of, of unconscious feminine. Yeah. Yeah. Of unconscious feminine. Um, and so because of that, then both, both genders and, you know, both sexes, they want to kind of graduate into the next level. And so what that looks like is, and by the way, these are all encompassing. They're not just like you get into a stage and then you never go back to the other one. It's inclusive. So when you're meaning uh, it's fluid, you can go back and forth between them. Yeah. Or meaning that if you're in the, if you're a third stage feminine, you can, you can exhibit characteristics that look like first stage, or you can exhibit characteristics that look like second stage. It's almost like the Russian dolls is a way to think about it. So it encompasses the earlier stages. Okay. So, so when the first stage feminine is moving to the second stage feminine, she's like, wow, okay, maybe I should bring some consciousness or some light to that shadow of just using my sexuality or of just playing the bimbo or of just being like the submissive housewife. And so we saw a huge revolution in our culture in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, um, specifically like the 60s and 70s as more women were starting to work. And Mm -hmm. so 
they started taking on some traditionally masculine traits like focus, concentration, discipline, drive, ambition, goal setting. Which isn't to say that they weren't capable of that before then. It's that it came into sort of popular acceptability, that it's acceptable for women to be this way. Exactly. Okay. That's a really good distinction. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for making that. So it became socially acceptable then for a woman to exhibit more of the masculine characteristics. And so she started working and she started dressing in, you know, pants and all of those things that happened. <laughs> yeah, pants. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> even making choices about her, about her body that beforehand were unfortunately not her choice to make, you know, because of mm-hmm. government or other things. And Men didn't always have to think about that. So that's what happened with the first stage feminine going into the second stage feminine. There's still shadow to that, which we'll talk about in a second, um, but the shadow is is a little less. And then first stage masculine going to second stage masculine, I don't feel like personally started happening until more the 80s, 90s, and even more recently that in, in almost like a reaction to the feminine going into her second stage feminine, she adopted more masculine characteristics. And in reaction to that, the first stage masculine going into the second stage masculine actually adopted more feminine characteristics. So this could look like a man staying home and taking care of the kids, you know, Mr. Mom. It could look like a man saying, um, can, I, can I kiss you at the end of a date instead of just kissing her? Mm-hmm. Um, it can look like a man not having as much direction and deciding to just do couch surfing for five years while he kind of figures out his life. So the masculine from the first stage, as he goes into the second stage masculine, adopts some feminine characteristics to kind of balance out that primordial masculine that can have some shadow where there's no respect, where there's mm-hmm. just land grab. Okay. But the the shadow element is still there a little bit. I mean, I don't think we ever really fully get rid of our shadow. We just relate from it instead of to it or relate to it instead of from it, I should say. But, um, the second stage masculine is have is is almost unaware of the impact that he's having when he's not in his power. Okay, so the, say more about that. The shadow of the second stage masculine is that he doesn't realize how deeply the feminine is craving him to be in his power. He thinks like, but I'm a nice guy. So this so this is the nice guy that maybe yes. is passive, doesn't really ask her out directly, is sort of hoping she'll tell him she likes him first. Yes. Okay. Exactly. This is the guy who maybe was born with a lot of healthy masculine energy, but got shamed by his mom or got emasculated uh-huh. or got told mm-hmm. you can't, you know, be, you can't be too loud, like quit, do, quit playing so much, uh-huh. like shamed into being a, a bit, a, a bit more submissive and kind of taking on some of these more feminine characteristics. Okay. And then the shadow of the second stage feminine is that she doesn't realize that she's coming across as like a ball buster. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't realize that she's coming across as like a massive bitch and mm-hmm. It's not that she can't be in her power. It's just that the way that she is in her power in the second stage in the second stage is almost can can almost negate some of the beautiful elements of the feminine that she, that mm. she has almost rejected. And the same thing can happen is just like a man can be emasculated at any stage in his life, but especially when he's young, like a woman can be told like you can do anything, like go out there and make something happen or like you can play with the like you can be just like the boys. And I believe in all those things. I'm not saying I don't believe in equality, but it can almost kind of squash the more girly nature. Like mm-hmm. I know a lot of my friends and myself included, their parents like they didn't want them wearing makeup. They didn't want them like shaving their legs. Mm-hmm. They didn't want them to like, you know, take home ec. They're like, why would you take home ec? You should be taking chemistry. So um, societally, we've kind of created this culture where almost, well, I shouldn't say almost, I don't know the statistics, but where it seems like if you look at popular culture, there's it's full of movies where the woman is a queer woman and she meets this bumbling guy and then they have this like funny Adam Sandler love story and then she <laughs> falls in love with him. But you're kind of like, huh, okay, interesting. <laughs> So I feel like we're kind of in this stage in our culture where most people are in second stage feminine or second stage masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a smaller percentage of people that are in the third stage. And it's not, you know, there's there's not like a hard cutoff, but I can talk about the third stage then too. Yeah. Why don't we just take a pause though for mm-hmm. second stage real quick? Because I I see this in my work a lot with men that I I feel like I work with a lot of men that are that are second stage. And I'm wondering, since you work with women, what, what would you say, how does that impact a woman when a man is second stage? That's such a good question. I find that it really has a big impact and not how a man would think. Like a man mm-hmm. would think, I'm assuming I'm not a man, but that a man would think like, oh, but I'm being respectful and uh, I'm, I'm admiring her career and all of these things. But a lot of women are desperate for masculine um, presence and 
commanding direction and just a sense of I've got it. Like I'm taking Mm. care of you. I'm providing for you. So the way that it shows up is when a woman is like, well, we had a great date, but he texted me three days later saying, what's up? And I was like, what do you mean? What's up? Like, do you like me or not? Like, what am I supposed to say to that? Or when on a date, a guy's like, um, do you want to split the check? And she's like, well, is this a date? Like all these things are in her mind. She, it makes her feel insecure about what's really going on. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. in the, in that state, she'll either kind of project outward, like, oh yeah, it's fine. And like, pretend it doesn't matter. Or inside she'll kind of collapse. And then three weeks later, doesn't want anything to do with him. And he's Mm. like, what? But I thought I was doing the right thing and being nice, but she lost the respect and, and like polarity of it. Okay. And then how about the opposite? What, what is the impact on a man when a woman is second stage? In my experience, it's it's emasculating. It's also just a turnoff. Like, a lot of men, they don't necessarily want to be around a woman who's telling them, oh, you shouldn't go that way. I always go this way. Like, why are you, why are you going that direction? Mm-hmm. Like, taking over for a sense of direction. Or if he's, like, having a challenge at work, she's like, oh, well, why didn't you do it this way? Like, mm-hmm. you should know how to do that with your employees. I mean, I've been managing people for, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of bragging or showing off or putting him in his place or the sort of woman who a man a man is, you know, asking out and saying that he would like to see her. And she's like, well, you're going to have to fit in my schedule because I have kickboxing this night and I have this this yeah. night. And, and kind of has this very regimented life. Mm. Okay, yeah. Let's, and let's hear about the, the third stage. So the third stage is encompassing, of course, like the second and the first stage. But the third stage is where both both uh, genders kind of come back to their original essence, but in a way that's way more integrated. So mm. second stage feminine is a Third little... Third stage? Yeah, I'm, yeah. In the second stage, the feminine is a little in her masculine too much. And so in the third stage, she realizes, okay, I can be independent. I can be a boss. I can make stuff happen. I can be very logical. And at the same time, I love feeling the flow of my emotions. I love being present with my body. I love dancing. I love singing. Mm. I love flowers. I love all the five senses. And I like to just let a man lead me sometimes. Like, I like to be able to be taken care of. So this is the stage. Yeah, this is the stage of the third stage feminine where I decide, okay, it's safe to receive. Like, I know enough of how to set healthy boundaries that I can receive to the the fullest and Mm. trust myself to be able to leave when it's not healthy mm. and trust myself to be able to communicate my desires and trust myself to be able to be in my feminine flow. Mm-hmm. There's a very deep connection to the body and especially grounding. So if you think about like an ascending current of energy, like going from the first stage feminine to the second stage is kind of like creating more energy up in the head. You're going from just these chaotic primal, like, you know, drama queen sort of energy Mm -hmm. to being like more conscious and more conscientious. And it's an upward current of energy. When you go to the third stage, it's like a downward current of energy going back down into your body. You're like, okay, I'm going to be mindful, but like, how does my body feel? Mm. How do my hips feel? Like Mm -hmm. what's going on in my cervix? (laughs) Like how, how connected am I to this flow of energy? And David talks about it, like the rumble in the jungle. It's like this kind of buzzing energy. It's the energy of all life that Mm. you get, get more and more in touch with, with less attachment to like predicting the outcome. It's like, Hmm. I don't care what the outcome is. This is what my body is telling me in the moment. Mm. Almost like intuition too. Yeah, intuition, body trust, connection, connecting to the body, um, using that as the guide instead of like um, withdrawing or planning everything from the mind, but then not really being connected to the body. And also not, a lot of times in the second stage, the women are not that connected to their sexuality as much. Mm. Yeah, we're going to come back to that. So third stage masculine. So third stage masculine is where a guy will come more into that king energy. And third stage feminine is more like that queen energy. Third stage masculine is more like the king energy. It's where it's all encompassing and he realizes, okay, I can be respectful of women. I can honor women. I can be attuned to them and I can be emotionally sensitive, but I'm also going to get what's mine. Like I'm down for having a sexual relationship. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm down for like being ambitious at work. Like I'm down for all those things. And I know that I'm not going to abuse my power because I've got enough of that second stage Mm -hmm. that even when I exhibit like these primal characteristics of the first stage, like coming up to my woman and saying, I want you, Mm -hmm. she knows that the, I want you is coming from a place of deep respect and honor, not just, um, like obliterating her needs and her wants. Not I want you and I don't care what you want. Exactly. It's, I want you and I want you to feel safe. Yes, okay. exactly. Much more integrated. Okay. And um, just out of curiosity, because we're talking about the stages of masculinity and femininity, and these show up 
you know, in all aspects, but I am imagining that they show up differently for people who are single and dating versus people in relationships. Can you say a little about, about that? Totally. And before I do, I just want to share a story or, or as I do, I Mm want to share a story of, of a woman that I work with who has dated men of, of course, like, you know, different energies and different backgrounds and all of those things. But you know, she finds herself to be very attracted to someone who really is masculine, who's Mm -hmm. planning the dates, who's saying, pick you up at seven on Thursday. And then once she gets in the car, he's like, okay, I've made two plans. We can either do this or this, which do you want? And he's got it all taken care of. Mm -hmm. He cares about her preferences, but he's pretty much got it all handled. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he has like, he's like a trainer. He's got a, a big body. Yeah. But the problem with, with some of those guys that she's dated is it's like, when it comes to actually getting connected and actually having a deeper level of intimacy and communication, there's nothing mm. <laughs> like, like, the, and those would be first stage men. Yeah. I would say that's first stage. That's the first stage. Masculine is like, he's planning the dates. He's really in his body. He's really in his, you know, in his power. But as soon as she wants to talk about feelings, he just like ghosts her or, yeah. you know, they have a little bit of a conflict. And instead of him being like, you know what? I don't care the conflict. We're going to get through this. You're my woman. That would be like a third stage. Instead, this person is, like, uh, ghosting her, and then two weeks later, putting thumbs up on her Facebook page, like, posts, and she's like, what? Yeah. Like, are you a teenager? Like, you can't communicate with me? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then this person will start dating guys in their second stage, and they'll be like, wow, he's in a men's group, like, he really is doing his work, like, he's a meditator, but, like, he's called me three times this week, and he hasn't asked me out. Mm. Like, what's going on? Like, does he like me? Are we turning into friends? Like, Mm -hmm. she's starting to lose attraction for him. Mm -hmm even though he respects her deeply. And so that's just a little example of how, like, in a dating situation, a lot of times women can ping-pong between first-stage masculine, second-stage masculine, because they're looking for the third stage. They're looking Mm -hmm. for that perfect blend of emotional sensitivity but deep power and strength and provision and protection. Mm -hmm. And and we, I think all of us want conscious partnership, which to me the most conscious partnership is when both partners are in third stage. Mm. So it can show up in dating in in that sort of ping-pong effect. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the crazy thing is that a lot of times even though as women we want the man to lead I do really believe in dating and especially relationship the more that the woman steps into her third stage it forces the man to be more in his third stage Mm. so if a woman is in her second stage and all of a sudden she's like you know what I'm just not going to do this anymore I'm not going to like nag you about things I'm not going to plan our dates like I will literally go tend my own garden and hang out with my girlfriends and do these feminine pleasure-based principles until you realize like holy shit, where'd she go? And you come towards me because I want to feel you coming, feel towards, you coming me. towards me. Yeah. But a lot of times women have a really hard time doing that. They're like, but if I take three days off and I haven't heard from him, like I'm going to internally combust. It's going to make me worried, <laughs> worried that the relationship is over. Mm-hmm. And so then we have a hard time letting the masculine have space because of our fear of abandonment. So then we, we project, we get angry, we punish him for taking his space mm-hmm. instead of being like, you know what? I am such a goddess. If he knows what's good for him, he'll come back and find me. But if not, there's 25 other men who would love to spend time with me because I've got it going on and I love being in my pleasure and Mm -hmm. I'm deeply feminine and sensual and all those things. So I feel like that's kind of a bit of what's going on in in the dating world. Mm -hmm. And I think for the masculine, I would imagine that's the same thing. Like the second stage masculine who wants to respect a woman, like wants to spend time with, with a woman who has her power and who is like a conscious, more modern woman. And he might date like a woman who's more just in her first stage, but she probably won't respect him for too long because he's not bringing that same level of, mm-hmm. of like fire, fire and, and power. And at the same time though, if that man in the second stage dates the dates a woman in the second stage as well, like he'll eventually withdraw more and more and more because he'll feel emasculated that he can't, you know, so-called compete with her. And, and so he, this is the woman who's taking charge and it's more like, is she, is she the one plan? How does that show up in dating? Like she planning the dates? Is she, what does that look like? She's planning the dates. She's making things happen. She's like helping him with his career. She's doing all of the stuff and he might enjoy that for a little while, but eventually she'll feel like she has a pet and not a partner. And he might end up feeling resentful or feel like he's less of a man mm-hmm. and withdraw. He might withdraw into porn. He might withdraw into, you know, um, just being more passive in his mm-hmm. life. But he's going to he's gonna be withdrawing and she's going to be coming towards, mm-hmm. him, which is a bit of a reverse polarity. Yeah. Um, and this is also where abusive women live. Is that true? Because I know a number of my clients and potential clients have attracted abusive women. Yeah. Like you mean verbally abusive Verbally women? abusive or physically abusive or both. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, definitely a physically, well, I can't say for sure, but, um, I think that a lot of women who have been abused are second stage women because they've had to protect themselves from the vulnerability of being hurt by developing the shell. Like, Mm. well, I'll show you, Mm -hmm. I'll take care of myself. I'm not letting you close to me. Fuck being vulnerable. Like I've got, I've got it. I can take care of myself. So she adopts this masculine shell to protect this deeply beautiful, innocent feminine essence that was somehow traumatized or somehow abused. And then that can come out in weird ways because the charge of the abuse hasn't ever been healed. And especially with the masculine exterior, it come, come out as not necessarily like anger. There's nothing wrong with anger, but like the punishing, mm. the retribution, mm-hmm. the scorn, yeah. like all of those things that can happen. Okay. So that's how it shows up in dating. Mm-hmm. We didn't really touch on third stage. Do yeah, you want to briefly do that before we switch? Totally. Okay. Yeah. So third stage in dating, I feel like, still happens, but it doesn't sustain itself as long. Like, it can, it can, how do I want to say this? Like, in the first three weeks of dating, anyone can look like anything. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, in the first three weeks, you can be like, oh my God, he's amazing. Like, he texted me to make sure I got home. Um, like he's protecting me, he's taking care of me, he's planning our dates. So I think a lot of men, they know like what women want in that way and they can sustain it for a little while. But as soon as he has a fun weekend with his boys and then she's furious with him, then there's a withdrawal and then there's this hot and cold effect that happens and then she turns more into a masculine and then he gets more in his like withdrawing kind of like moody passive mode and and it can just kind of down spiral from there. But ideally in a third stage, you know, healthy dating situation, Like, there's connection, there's chemistry, there's polarity. The man is somehow making it known his desire to the woman. He's either approaching Mm. her or Mm -hmm. he's getting her number or he's asking her out on a date or he's saying, like, God, you're, you're beautiful. Like, or he's, he's, he's making it known. He's coming towards her. He's coming towards her. And then ideally in the woman in the third stage is able to receive that. If he comes towards a woman in the second stage, she will deflect. She'll be like, Oh no, I'm not like, or, Oh, I just, you know, she'll, she'll just push away, push away. But a third stage woman who's in her third stage will be able to receive that and be able to receive it deeply, which makes the man, the man even more encouraged to do Mm -hmm. it. Cause he's like, Oh, it's safe for me to show you my desire. It's safe for me to come towards you. You're not going to bite my head off. Yeah. So, so, so I'm going to do more of that. And then if, if they start to feel any sort of like wobble on the path from dating to, to, um, relationship, the woman can be like, wow, okay, I got way in my head. I totally started freaking out about the future. I'm actually just really loving getting to know you in the moment. And I'm going to go spend some time with the girlfriends. I'm going to do my pleasure practices. I'm going to connect back more to my body. I'm going to find my feminine again. You go do what you need to do. Like the man, you know, and metaphorically goes out for a hunt or Mm -hmm. meditates or gets really focused on his work for a while. And then they come back together and they enjoy that moment again. And those periods of being away from one another get shorter and shorter to become moment by moment so that it doesn't have to be such a rupture in the relationship. So it sounds like then people that are in their third stage when they're dating, what you're saying is if there's a conflict or if there's friction, they are good at taking responsibility for what's theirs and kind of resourcing themselves like she goes off to talk to her girlfriends and to dance and to Mm -hmm. get into her body and to be back to get back into her feminine let's say Mm -hmm. and the man also knows how to go and get into his masculine and then they can show up and have a conversation or whatever it is rather than just simply cutting to the unconscious like ugh, you went away with your boys for the weekend like I'm done like I'm so (laughs) angry or or whatever the, the conflict is okay Totally. And I think there's more, there's not only more space and permission in the relation, like in the relationship for each person to take their own personal space, but there's more space in the togetherness too. And what I mean by that is like one of the most beautiful things that Jason does is when I'm upset or when I'm feeling something really strongly, he's not like, oh, you're so crazy, crazy girl, crazy emotion. And he's also not like, that would be like first stage masculine. Mm -hmm. And he's also not in a second stage response, which is just like, oh, well, just, like, tell me how you feel and, like, rubbing my back like he's, you know, a parent. He's, like, holding on to me firmly, and he's, like, I've got you. Like, Jason will literally tell me, there's nothing you can't feel that I won't hold you while you're feeling that. Like, there's nowhere you can go where I'm not going to want to be with you. Mm. And it gives me such a sense of peace and certainty that my emotional storms don't last as long. And Mm. then he feels safer because he knows, oh, she kind of knows how to process her emotions. She can do it without me, but it feels really good for her to do it with me and to give me that gift of showing me her emotions. And that's true even if you're upset because of something he did. 
Yes. It's actually very challenging. I mean, we Mm -hmm. have gone through this plenty, like all couples, but it's very challenging to be triggered by your partner and let your partner soothe that. Like let the Mm. person who so-called hurt you, like also be the one who, to make it better. Like my tendency, you know, even though I feel like I'm moving into the third stage, if I feel hurt, I, I want to run away. I want to be like, Nope, I'm going to take care of it myself. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. But to be able to look at him while I'm screaming or while I'm crying and have him be like, it's okay. I got you. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for who I am, but like, I'm sorry this hurt you. And I'm totally here. Mm -hmm. It's very sensitive and tender, but it also creates like a really deep sense of grounding and and trust in the relationship. Mm. And the equivalent for that I've experienced with men, if I trigger a man, I've often experienced him lashing out or getting defensive or not being able to hold me in that place. Whereas if I'm triggered by something in my life, he can really show up and be present and help me. But if it's about something between us that he maybe said or did, it seems like that that's a lot more challenging for mm-hmm. the masculine. Yes, yeah. I agree. I feel like it's hard for the masculine to um, take responsibility sometimes because there's been so much shaming and so much blaming mm-hmm. and so much of the feminine rage that's been projected onto men for the times that they've been hurt that I think a lot of times men don't even know how to orient themselves and the orienting is a masculine skill but it's like they've been cut down they've been emasculated they're all they know how to do is go into their cave in order mm-hmm. to regroup and mm-hmm. refine their masculinity but then the woman can feel dropped and that can be a big rupture yeah and so you kind of touched on this just now when you were talking about you and your partner, but how does the, how do these stages show up in relationship? Yeah, I, I can speak my best as I can to that. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of other examples, but you know, the first stage relationship from the outside looking in would be a man who's, you know, more of like a bro, like crossfit you know whatever like really just into into that sort of uh, primal like hunter mm-hmm. ripped uh personality and, and type and it goes really well with a first stage feminine who's really submissive and more of the housewife and mm-hmm. they have this you know polarity but the thing is i believe that in modern society that that sort of partnership doesn't have as many legs underneath it like well then what happens when the next hottest girl comes along mm-hmm. and his primal instincts are drawn to her and he doesn't have the consciousness to recognize like oh I can appreciate all flavors of the feminine but I don't actually have to, don't actually have to cheat on my partner mm-hmm. um, and then what happens for the first stage feminine when she's with a great partner but then there's another guy who makes more money and she's like oh but he has better status so that's like a very a very um kind of generalized way of thinking about Mm -hmm. it. And so the relationship is not that it can't be there and it's not that they don't have polarity, but the polarity um, doesn't have a strong enough container Mm -hmm. of agreements and attachment and consciousness that it can sustain itself in a, in a long-term way because there are so many options to, to meet people nowadays. And because they don't necessarily have as many tools to resolve conflict, right? Yes, exactly. So in that sort of relationship, if the woman is super upset, the masculine partner hasn't yet developed enough of the feminine characteristics and the emotional sensitivity to like be with her in that. Mm -hmm. So we'll just be like, you're fucking crazy, you know, and it can cause like lots of drama. Yeah. And the woman who's just like constantly going on and on about, you know, her friends or gossiping or TV shows or whatever it is. And he can, and, um, yeah, sometimes there's just, like, not enough of a of a conscious connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel a little bit bad talking about this. It feels like I'm really talking down, and that's not my intention yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just, uh, it's just what's coming up for me. Well, it's more like the archetypes of what this can yes. look like. It's not that it's always like this. And like you said, people aren't just in one box or the other. Yes. They're not just, they don't need to be discounted. It's not like... Yeah. <laughs> and it and it also honestly just depends on people's value system. Like if your value system you're not really prioritizing like self actualization or spirituality, like you can hang out in the first stage and have have a fun fine time, mm-hmm. you know? Like it's it doesn't have to be like the end of the world. It's not it's not like a downgrade. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like it gets harder and harder to actually live in the first stage because the world is always asking us to grow and growing more towards the second stage. And especially as there's so many more options and less and less structure in the world, like we're looking in our partnership for some sort of structure and some sort of stability Mm. um, that requires that we become more conscious. Mm -hmm. And so in the second stage, there's polarity, but the problem is it's a reverse polarity. The woman is in her masculine, the the man is in his feminine more. And you see this all the time. And so those relationships also, from the outside looking in, and having been in a second stage relationship in my first marriage, 
they're not, they're also not that sustainable. They have more consciousness than the first stage, but the reverse, reverse polarity means a woman that stops respecting the man, the man stops being in contact with his sexuality and his desire and his moving towards her, and the relationship kind of either implodes or they just become friends for life. Okay, this is where the friend zone is. Yes. A lot of the time? Okay. And in a relationship, there there's almost like an epidemic of sexless relationships, it seems. It's yes. In a, the literature, it seems like this is a massive problem. Would you say that that is probably due to this reverse polarity in large yeah. part? It feels like a lot of it is. I feel like a lot of this is, you know, both both partners are working a lot, but most likely the second stage feminine is actually working harder than the second stage masculine. And she feels resentful that she's doing the work and taking care of the kids and cleaning the house and doing all these things. And he's kind of like playing golf or playing video games and not fully showing up for her. And when she has like a, you know, emotions that she actually feels like she can share with him, he'll be present, but he won't be anchoring. He won't mm. be ground. He won't be grounded enough. So she'll feel like she's got to talk to someone else, a therapist or friends or something about everything that's going on. And um, he'll feel like he can never do anything right. And no matter what he does, it's not enough. And she's always angry and resentful of him. And so he's checking out and am I missing anything? Yes. No, that that's exactly spot on. I think a lot of relationships, they start out in a semblance of a third stage or even just in a first stage. And then they kind of move to the second stage because the woman becomes more balanced or the man becomes more thoughtful because they've gone through so many fights where they've asked the other person, like, can you please just listen to me without having to fix it? So mm-hmm. we're almost like asking our partner to be more in his feminine or a man is like, oh my God, you're so crazy. Can you please just cool it? So she's holding her emotions. So mm-hmm. as we move from the first to second stage, it's almost like we ask that from our partner, mm-hmm. but then we get entrapped by that. And there's like a merging instead of a, I mean, there's still a reverse polarity, but there's like a merging of the masculine and feminine within us. But sometimes it makes it hard to sustain the passion for our partner. And by passion, you mean hot sex sexuality? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for instance, um, just like an example is a second stage woman might come home and talk all about her work and a second stage man might kind of like, yeah, talk a little bit about his work, but then they just watch a movie together and then they just go to bed. Like there's no real um, embodied sense of polarity. Okay. And in terms of how one gets from the second to the third stage, what would you say to that? Because it seems like at least in my work and and also in your work, there's a lot of people out there that are in this second stage. There's a lot of people that have done some personal growth and, you know, were raised by parents that said like equality and, you know, women are equal. And there's, I think that that's a large population. There's a lot of people that are in their second stage. What does it take to get from second to third stage? I know that's a big question. (laughs) I personally feel like it comes in multiple avenues, but the primary ones are either a major sort of trauma like a divorce, um, changing jobs, uh, having, having just unresolved trauma issues from before come up, like either basically a breakdown or a realization like, I can't do this anymore or this isn't working for me anymore. So it's the woman who's 45 and is like, I've actually never felt like I loved anyone or that anyone loved me. Like I put all my energy into my career. I dated a few guys in my 20s who were assholes. Those were probably first stage relationships. I dated a few guys in my 30s who were just kind of passive. They actually never really made a move. We never became boyfriend, girlfriend. I was just like, look. And so then I just spent 10 years just focusing on my career. And mm. all of a sudden I realized, holy shit, I'm going to spend the second half of my life alone. I've got to change something. Or she goes through a really bad breakup and it breaks breaks her down. I hate to use that word, but it like opens her heart enough that she softens and she comes into her third stage feminine mm-hmm. because she realizes that she's hurt or that she's been disconnected to her, from her heart or disconnected from her body. It can come from a health scare or a health issue. Mm-hmm. But I typically think it's some sort of wake up call. Either my life is not what I thought it was going to be or I'm not getting what I want something that I'm doing is not working anymore. It was Mm. effective for a while and now it's no longer effective Mm -hmm. or like there's a divorce or there's some, something that's, yeah, that's kind of pressing. And for men, it's going to show up as. Most likely for men, it's going to show up when their wife leaves them or when they realize that they can't get any girls or they realize they're still living in their parents' basement Mm -hmm. because they were so free flowing that they never actually built a career. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is something I think we're going to come back to 
again and again on this podcast, which is how to get from second stage to third stage, masculine and feminine. I have my eye mostly on the masculine since this this is for men. And it's so obviously there is no easy sort of like, oh, we'll just do this and you'll graduate from second stage to third stage. <laughs> like that's not how it it's works. It's, it, right. It's kind of a lifelong thing. But um, what I have found encouraging in my work is that there are things that men can do to get there. And a lot of them often will have to do with embodiment stuff, the personal growth work, all of the stuff that we talk about that we're going to talk about on this podcast is going to relate to this, which is part of why we're having this episode early on so that we do all have sort of shared vocabulary around that. um, And so that we can have a discussion about masculinity and femininity that isn't that, that where we're not just referencing the old cultural stereotypes of those. So that when I say a man coming into his masculine, it doesn't necessarily mean the Stetson guy that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's totally cut off from his emotions. It can mean like the third stage masculine, which is I'm in my power. I really want to have sex. I'm owning my desire and I have a heart connection. I can respect you and value you and honor you. I can, I can withstand the feminine storm and stay in my power. All of the sort of things that we're talking about where the path to get there is possible. It's not just, you're not stuck. There is no stuck. So yeah, I just wanted to sort of name that, that like the how do you get from second stage to third stage is a process, but it's a very doable one. Mm -hmm. And um, we need to wrap up, but if you could just sort of speak to your own experience, because you've mentioned before, like being second stage and you're moving more into third stage, what has that been like for you? Yeah, I, I agree with you what you just said about you don't have to stay stuck. Like it's, you know, for the feminine going from second stage to third stage is about softening, reclaiming your pleasure, coming back to your body, really going internal in that way of like connecting with your emotions and your sensations and and masculine in some ways too, but it's like, oh, wait, I have all this power. I can project outward. I can like go towards things. I can achieve things. I can claim things. I can can direct my life. I want things. I'm okay with wanting things. I'm, I'm a man and I want to have sex and it's okay (laughs) that I want to have sex. Yes. Yeah, totally. And for the feminine, it's like, oh, it's okay for me to feel taken care of. It's okay for me to relax and receive. And so, yeah, there's a lot of ways that, that, that we can do that, but just know conceptually, like it's just about going going more inward for a woman and going more outward for a man. So mm. you can you can find that. I mean, from my experience, what really cracked me open is I thought I had my life together and then I went through a series of, of things that were hard. I got divorced. I changed careers. I um, was feeling a little bit lost in my career. It had lost some of the passion. I realized at some point, wait, I don't want to climb the corporate ladder. Like, I don't want to just get promotion after mm-hmm. promotion while my love life is a freaking disaster (laughs) yeah um and so that was kind of a heart opening Mm -hmm. I went through a few tough breakups that was also a heart opening and then honestly when I met Jason when I met my partner I was like I can't show up in this relationship the same way I've been showing up in my relationships like something has to change and it was kind of before I met him that I had started doing this work but it really had the motivation to do it more when I met him um, because he was already conscious of polarity he was already um, familiar with men's work and, and all of those things so I had been doing participating in women's groups and had been doing some stuff around my sexuality and therapy and all these other things but it kind of crystallized in relationship and I think that's why whether it's a sexual relationship or a really uh, you know connected relationship or some sort of combination of the both like we heal through relationship mm. like it's hard to from my perspective it's hard to move through these stages when it's just you doing your own work because polarity only exists when there's the opposite pole like mm-hmm. if there isn't the opposite pole it's hard to even know who like what's going on so but there's also a lot of setup work that you can do and that you did yes. you did a lot of somatic therapy you did a totally. lot of Tantra, you mm-hmm. did a lot of your own sort of baseline setting up, sort of like yes. building the foundation of the house that yes. you've built with your partner. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, um, we're going to start to wrap up. Um, in terms of what people can do right now that are interested in this, um, we can sort of just riff off each other. Mm-hmm. But I would say, again, I'm going to drop in the show notes a couple of books by David Data. One of them is Way of the Superior Man. That's more for men. There's two that we recommend for women. One is called Dear Lover, and the other is Blue Flame. Again, Blue we'll truth. drop them. Is it Blue Truth? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Blue Truth. We're pretty <laughs> sure it's truth. It might be fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll drop those in the show notes, so don't worry about 
writing that down. And then is there anything else that you'd recommend for this, just becoming conscious of this part of the work? Yeah. I mean, Mama Gina has a bunch of amazing tools. She's Mm -hmm. kind of the pioneer when it comes to pleasure and femininity. And so her book Pussy and also her book, the uh, Mama Gina School of Womanly Arts are both amazing. Um, There's a lot of different, a lot of different tools out there. And of course, the work that I do with women, just, you know, shameless plug is a lot about taking them from second stage feminine to Mm -hmm. third stage feminine. So that even if they, uh, even if they've been attracting second stage men, they can start to attract third stage men and or inspire second stage men to rise into their third stage. Mm. Yeah, that's the second time that book has come up by Mama Gina, Pussy, A Reclamation. I'll drop that in the show notes again, but that did come up in another episode and we really do. I really support her work. I really like what she's up to in the world. So, um, that's really recommended. And then, um, yeah, where can people find you and, um, what are you up to? You sort of already covered it a little bit, but (laughs) yeah, you can find me on my website, which is called the pleasure path dot today. Um, or also on Facebook if you search The Pleasure Path. And if you go to my website, thepleasurepath.today, there will be a place where you can sign up for my free masterclass. And in that masterclass, I talk specifically about coming into your feminine more as a way to create polarity and attract the sort of man that you want, along with four other major shifts in order to attract the love of your life. And it's especially, um, yeah, for women who are really ready for a conscious partnership, ready to get out of the dating cycle. Mm. The dating death cycle. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the people who are like endlessly downloading and then deleting Tinder. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, any last words of wisdom before we wrap? The word trust is coming up for me. Like trust that if you're listening to this podcast and you resonated with something in it, like there is a greater evolution and chapter of yourself that's calling to be known. And so whether that's finding a workshop or checking out one of the books or whatever that looks like for you, like you can just let this be information in one ear and out the other. But part of third stage is really deep embodiment work. And so I encourage you to actually check in with your body. Like, how Mm. did you feel listening to this? And what was alive for you? And where did you want to close off? And where did you want to open up? And where did you feel things? And, and then use that to, to take the next step on your path. Oh, yay. Next step on your path. (laughs) okay thank you and um we'll drop in the end thing here that wraps up another episode of dear men thank you for listening if you want to reach out we would love to hear from you we're on instagram and twitter at dear men podcast that's at dear men podcast or facebook we have a group dear men podcast we also have an email address dear men podcast at gmail.com If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.